live from Tully's. Two seconds to go. McNamara. It's gone! This is... Jerry Mack drops one on G-Town! Wait a minute. The Jerry McNamara Show. Welcome in to the final Jerry McNamara show of the season. Seth Goldberg along with the coach Jerry McNamara here at Tully's on Erie Boulevard. We're with you until 8 o'clock here on ESPN Radio tonight. And there's plenty to get to to wrap up the season. I, I know, Jerry, I saw you tweeting about Tiger over the weekend. So oh, yeah. Maybe, maybe we can get to that a little bit later. we got the Yankees on. I know you're a Yankee fan, so we can... Maybe maybe touch on that a little bit later. We don't have as much basketball to get to, so it opens us up to <laughs> to get to a couple other things, of things if we like. Three one five four three seven seventy six forty four. If you'd like to uh, get in any questions for the coach or on Twitter at ESPN Syracuse at Seth Goldberg seventeen uh, to submit some questions there as well. And you know, Jerry, we talked about this a little bit last week when when you were in studio with us and and kind of how the end of the season goes. Uh, but can you take us inside that a little bit when you guys you know lose your game in the NCAA tournament, you come back to Syracuse. Um, I'd, I'd imagine some kind of a decompression period, and and then kind of ha- how do things go at the end of the year? Well, usually we'll give our guys a week, uh, depending on, you know, I think last year we gave them maybe two weeks, and, and you know, this year was probably somewhere in the same stretch. And, you know, it, it's tough. You know, Adrian and I were talking this morning, actually. Uh, you know, after the season, it's like almost every team seems like, you know, we're losers. <laughs> you know, we love you know, it's such an empty feeling, you know, not being the last team standing, especially when we've been in situations where we could have been, you know, multiple Final Fours. You know, I was, you know, very lucky to be a part of one that was the last standing. So it's kind of what you, you know, strive to be every year, um, you know. But I think you have to lick your wounds a little bit. It's funny, I was listening to Kyle Guy talk about when they lost last year. You know, he said, I crawled into a hole for a little bit, and then we dug, the, you know, we dug ourselves back out and we got back to work. And, um, you know, we're in the same mind frame. You know, none of us are happy that we had an early exit. You know, we all wanted to be playing into multiple weekends of the NCAA tournament. And, um, you know, it's an unfortunate thing. You know, you're, it's become the, the world of college basketball. You're judged on what you do really over just a short period of time in that stretch of, you know, because of how exciting it is when you do, you know, and, and that's what everybody wants to get to. You know, now really you measure yourself on getting into the NCAA tournament. You know, it's just what you kind of measure a successful season as because we've proven when you get in there you know it's it's a crazy thing you know anything could really happen and um you know so similar to how virginia did last year when they lost in the first round a little bit different scenario first 16 to go out uh, over a one you know so you know just like kyle guy said it you know we're in the mind frame of of we're we're in this is my favorite time of year i mean i i i really do love this time of year because Right now, everybody's thinking the same way, optimistically. And when you think optimistically, you have a certain edge to you. You have a certain energy to you. And when you step into the gym, you're thinking of what the future holds. And you're working every day to prepare yourself for the first time you step on the court for real. And uh, that's where we are now. We've had great, great energy since we've been back at it. You know, we have one of the best strength and conditioning coaches in the country in Ryan Kabilis. And um, you know, he's been working with the guys every day. We've been doing indiv- individual workouts, you know, 
um, you know, I spent time with every one of the guards today. Um, it's a long day for me, you know. Uh, there are a lot of guards. Yeah, it's but it is so much fun. I mean, it's it's and my son's on spring break this week, so he spent all day yesterday in the gym at the Mellow Center, and he spent all day in the gym today at the Mellow Center, and um, you know, so it's. It's been a lot of fun from the sense of, you know, right now there's a lot of energy and there's a lot of optimism about what we can be, uh, what we can be individually, which is, you know, how we spend this time of year is really in improving player development. That's what we spend our focus on. And, um, you know, we're in that mind frame right now. So we're working within the confines of what the NCAA allows as far as time frame of, of hours per week. And uh, we take full advantage of every single minute of it. What are those practices like? Because I'm, I'm sure there is a transition here. You know, Tyus declaring for the NBA draft, O'Shea declaring for the NBA draft, and, and the two of them going through that process. Um, you know, Tyus announcing today he, he signed with an agency, and, and um, you know, it, in theory you could do that and then come back, uh, yeah. you know, under these new rules and guidelines. Um, but obviously these are these are guys who three weeks ago were playing with you. You're now practicing at the Mellow Center. I would imagine they're not there. They're with you. They're going and getting ready for the draft. That's accurate. Or, or through the, for getting ready for the draft process. Yeah. Uh, you know, how, how much of a transition is that now? You come back and, and you know, Elijah Hughes and Marek Dolajai and, and uh, you know, Barama Sidibe are still there, but some guys aren't. Well, you know, I think it's just like any other turnover is, is you know, as soon as a guy leaves, what it does is it opens up an opportunity for the next guy you know a guy like Jalen Carey who didn't get um you know the minutes that he would have liked this year so how does he enter the offseason um you know the one thing I love about his particular situation is how hard he worked behind the scenes when no one was looking you know when when you know every other person all they see is him not getting a lot of minutes or not getting some DMPs um you know so I, I think the big thing from my perspective of it from being an assistant coach is You've done your job when you feel like if you're that guy that's not necessarily getting those minutes, do you feel like you're getting better? That's the most important thing. You know, if you sit back and you're a guy like Jalen who had a, you know, again, a lot of optimism coming into this year of what he envisioned of what his success was going to be, and you, it doesn't go the way you plan. Uh, I've been through this before, you know. How do you bring them back to level? You know, because it's a lot. There's a lot of emotion that goes into this. And you and I have talked about this at length of, of guys that, you know, it's very, very easy to be critical as a fan, but you don't realize how critical these guys are on themselves. You know, they've, this is their life. This is what they want to do. And, um, you know, that, that, that's the exciting thing for me is going through this. you got a guy like Jalen who didn't play a lot. I went through this with Michael Carter-Williams, Deion Waiters. We saw it with James Sutherland, Chris Joseph. I mean, you can go down the line of guys that have had success here that didn't necessarily get the amount of minutes that they wanted early in their careers. And, you know, I think the common denominator with all those guys was the work, the work ethic, you know, the process of getting better. And um, that's the exciting thing. You see a lot of these guys transfer. Uh, the exciting thing for me is seeing guys stick it out because you know what they've done behind the scenes because they felt like they were getting better. And I think that's where Jay is right now. I think that's where a lot of these guys are. You look at a guy like Elijah who averaged, I think, close to 14 points per game last year. And, um, you know, I, I keep telling him every workout when he gets tired, I say, it's your summer. It's not mine. It's your summer. What do you want to do with your summer? Um, you know, again, that's the optimism part of it. Well, I want to be a pro. I want to be. I want to have a great season. So, obviously, I'm going to work a little harder. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to. I'm going to fight through this fatigue. So, I think that's really the big thing for us is to remind guys that are coming back. Is like, all right, well, these guys might be gone, but if they're gone, well, now we need you to step up a notch. We need you to carry a little bit more of the load, and um, that's that's why this time of year is so enjoyable. Uh, 
is because you, you feel like you're getting guys at their best because they're working towards something. They're working toward what they feel is their future. And, um, you know, that's a, a powerful position to be in as a coach. You know, it's a, a very rewarding one when you see guys uh, come in there enthusiastic about being in there. And, um, you know, I think it's a big summer for certain guys. I think it's a big summer for Marek, you know, like you mentioned too, like you alluded. I think it's a big summer for Elijah because I think he could become a three-way scorer, a three-level scorer. I think he was a three-point shooter last year. I think he's a guy that there's really no rhyme or reason that he shouldn't attempt five or six free throws a game next year. He's a big, physical, strong kid that's capable of going off the bounce. He could score at the rim. He could score in the mid-range with pull-ups. We've seen him take the pull-up a little bit. He can obviously make jump shots from the perimeter. So, you know, the way you factor it out is if you can get to the line four more times a game and you could hit two pull-ups, well, guess what? Now you go from 14 to you could be an 18, 19-point score. Um, you could pick up where Tyus left off. So, um, th- that that's that's where we are, um, you know, as a program. Is we're just trying to get these guys better. We're trying to get them in a mind frame where they feel like they can come back and really improve and go into next year optimistically and feel good about where their game is and come in excited. You know, that's the most important thing is you want guys believing in each other, believing especially in themselves. And um, when when one guy leaves, you gotta you gotta be in a situation where the next guy's ready and, and developed, ready to step in and play immediately. Is it fair to say that this is one of the best times for growth out of players? Because right now you're, you're quote-unquote down four starters off of last year's team. You have not yet brought in your freshman for next yeah. year. So you've got fewer players with you. You've got fewer guys in the, in the Mellow Center with you. Is this like a, a great time for Jalen Carey or, or Elijah to, to get some of that growth and, and progression in? I think so. Yeah, I think this is the most beneficial time of the year. You know, you, you've, you've heard the cliches about, you know, players are made in the offseason, teams are made during the season. I mean, that's there's a lot of truth to that. Um, I think this time of year... Um, with not worrying about, uh, I hate to say it, but not worried about injuries as much. Um, you know, we saw what happened with Frank where he gets kind of a freak accident in, in, in early season pickup and uh, hurts his leg. And, and it's it's the timing of when he gets hurt. You know, it, it takes you into the season. I think this time frame is the time of like, all right, we're going to push you past your limits. We're going to try to break this wall down and break a barrier both physically, mentally, um, with where you are in your game, how you shoot it effectively, what's your pick and roll progression. Um, you know, th- those are the things that you could really, really work on this time. You know, you could work on your body twice as hard because you know you don't have to come in and worry about being sore to play the game. You know, you can add 10 pounds and still be in great physical condition as far as your endurance with running. And um, it- it's such a valuable, valuable five, six-month stretch for us where you can piggyback right off a, an April departure in the tournament um, and spend the next five months. We have the Italy trip this August. So, uh, you know, we, we fully expect coming into September that our guys are in as, as top physical peak condition as they could be. Uh, they're in the right mind frame. They've worked on their game, so they feel like they've gotten better. Um, and I think when you have some turnover like we're going to have where you lose two experienced guards in Frank and Tyus, and now you have young guys um, there's a lot of competition level as well. You know, we got two guys coming back that we feel like are good players. We got two guards coming in that we feel like are good players. So, you know, it's it's like when I came to Syracuse, you know, Deshaun Williams, Billy Edelin, Quet Duaney, Josh Pace, I mean, they were all here. You know, it worked a little bit differently than <laughs> that scenario I just laid out. 
um, you know, but things kind of have a way of working themselves out. And we're capable if we have the bodies that we feel like are competitive. When you put them on the court, you're not going to lose anything in stretches. And, you know, you could take a, a fifth-year senior out and come in with the freshman guard, and he's going to perform just as well because this kid's talented and he's worked. Um, you know, so we feel like there's a, a lot of different pieces. We feel like this time of year is very, very valuable. We've always approached it that way. I think we do it a little bit differently than most programs as far as how much time we put into individual skill development. And we've heard that from people. Uh, we've actually had a couple coaches from opposing head coaches from other schools reach out to us. I've, I know I've had two. And one of them has come in in the last few weeks to watch us work guys out because they want to transition into how do we train our guys. And, um, you know, that's a great thing. I think that's a players-type program where guys can come in and really work individually and feel good about where their game's at and take take progressive steps of, of where their levels are going. You mentioned with Elijah that, that you want to see him kind of show off the, the more well-rounded yeah. game, maybe a little bit more. When you look at Jalen, what, what do you see as the, the, the area of focus or, or something that he can really do better, uh, you know, coming off this last season? Uh, two things in particular. I, I think first and foremost, we have to improve his ability to make the outside jump shot. Um, he, he has something that you and I can work on, we just can't get to, which is that elite level you know for lack of a better term freakish athleticism you might uh, be able to work on that I, well I that it, I maybe 17 <laughs> years ago i had a chance um you know but he has that certain gift that speed that athleticism that that not a lot of guys have he has that second gear um so first and foremost he has the athleticism piece all right well now we need to become a more effective three-point shooter um, when you do that, what you do is like Frank Howard. It took Frank's game, once he developed his jump shot and gotten better at it, we saw him jump from, you know, a middle-of-the-pack ACC guy to a right-in-the-mix if Luke May's not in the fray, the, the hands-down most improved player in the right. league. Um, so that's where we've put a ton of focus on in my workouts with Jalen is his ability to change a little bit of his form. He used a little bit. He's still is. It's still a process. He's using a little bit too much guide hand in his jump shot. If you watch him from 15 feet, he's outstanding. He's he's he's. It's like Tyus when Tyus would get to that 15 footer and he pulled up. Everybody in the building was like, "Yeah, that's a good one," you know, because he made it. You know, that was his shot. And Jalen's the same way. And how do we progress that and move that out? Uh, we're working on that now. And I think the second area is taking care of the basketball. For the minutes he played, he turned it over at a, too high of a rate. Um, getting into traffic when it's not there. We saw the play in the Baylor game where he's playing a good stretch. He's doing a great job defensively, and he comes down, and he has Bud on a dribble handoff, and he runs over the guy instead of making the right read. You know, So I think him understanding uh, different situations as far as when the play is there and when it's not, I think your ability to shoot stretches the defense. So when you stretch the defense, now you're angles in your lanes are a little bit more visible and that helps a guy that needs to you know kind of figure some things out of where the reads are at this level and adjust to the speed of the game and the length and the athleticism so uh those are really the two key areas in my mind going into next season have we developed the three-point shot to where it's effective where you need to be a kid for and are you running our team at a rate where we're valuing possessions and not turning the ball over? Generally speaking here, because it, it's not just Jalen, you mentioned Frank Howard as well in this regard. Do you and, and this coaching staff, I guess, generally look at um, shooting as, as something that is fixable? You know, if, if you have other skills uh, as a high school player, you're somebody worth, ta- you know, worth bringing in and taking on if you see a shot that you say, hey, we can fix that yeah. and make you more viable? Well, maybe? I think it depends on the intangibles of what else you could do. Um, you know, if, if, if you're a 6'7", and you do everything. You handle it. 
You're a great defender. You could play multiple positions. You're really good in the open court. You're one of the best open court players. There, there has to be – the game has become can you put the ball into the basket. And the ability to shoot the three-point shot has changed the game dramatically from, from really not just the three-four position, but now you're seeing it transition into the five-man position. Um, so, yes, I, I – I think there's certain mechanics in a shot where you can look at and be like, all right, that's somewhat of an easy fix. His release point is low, but his release is good. Let's elevate the release point and stay with the same release. Or for Jalen's you know, particular, his, his release is great. Sometimes you, you involve the left hand too much, so now you're getting side spin as opposed to straight spin. So, uh, you know, I, I think there's – for guys that have a shot where it's like, oh, my God, you know, you, to me you have to be – there has to be something else because of what the game has become. You know, it's like when you go against our zone and we're literally just standing there looking at you. You know, that's got to be a difficult thing to deal with when you're standing there and, and you're not being accounted for. Um, you, you have to be able to make shots. There's too many guys now that are that are doing this at a young age. By the time they get to us, they're all good shooters. And now those guys that were once six eight six nine that were expected to just stay underneath the rim are not those guys anymore so if you're the six seven six eight six nine guy um, that doesn't have a shot you have to be able to do something else you there has to be something else in your game that justifies you being out there and um, you know that's really the thing it, a lot of guys for the most part if you get to our level you have something that's manageable you have something that's you know we can work with you know we've we've seen even Marek you know his you know I know how hard he's worked with coach Autry and his ability to shoot you know I, I saw Allen working with Barama today on his his shot they worked really hard last year uh, I don't think he ever fully got right with his knees so we didn't we didn't see him in full doses um, so his offseason again is, is a huge thing but the ability to shoot the basketball you know, we feel like with the last two recruiting classes, we've brought in the best shooter in both of those classes uh, from the guard position. We believe that. Um, you know, we feel like we have another guard coming in who, who is a little bit combination of both, of, of the length, athleticism, and ability to shoot. So, you know, we feel like we're putting the pieces around it. O'Shea didn't shoot it as well as he's capable of. I think that's pretty obvious. Um, you know, he got off to a slow start, and I think it took him a long time to, to feel confident again. So... There's a lot that goes into it, especially guys that are workers that become shooters. You know, it's not like me who this is what I do. I'm a shooter. I sh- I've done this since the time I'm five, you know, six, seven. From the time I picked up a basketball, I fell in love with the art of shooting. And, you know, other guys are blessed with different gifts, and that's what they fall in love with, playing above the rim and flying. And now you have to develop a different aspect. So, uh, you know, there, there, there's different guys that are capable of different things, but the ability to shoot the basketball is a must these days. And, uh, again, when people ask me, you know, what do you think my son can work on? I always say you can never work on enough shooting. You know, continue to shoot the ball. That's an everyday thing. That's something that you could do on your own, especially now. Almost every single high school gym in the country has one of these shooting guns now. And uh, for a guy that wants to get better at a shot, they're, they're, it's like a dog. They're a man's best friend. Yeah, no doubt about that. And, and hey, we've seen, we've seen pictures of, of those shooting guns and, and what they could do uh, to help you guys out down at the Mellow Center. Uh, we got to take a time out. I want to ask you about the Italy trip. I want to ask you about these guys, uh, the NBA draft process and testing the draft waters there. Let's take a time out. We'll come back. We'll keep rolling with Jerry McNamara Show after this on ESPN Radio. Live from Tully's, this is the Jerry McNamara Show. We're here at Tully's on Erie Boulevard and on ESPN Radio. Now up until 8 o'clock, 
Seth Goldberg along with Jerry McNamara here on the Jerry McNamara Show. And, uh, you know, Coach, you mentioned it in the last segment, and we brought it up there at the end, but you're, you're going on this trip to Italy in August. And the last time you guys did this, you, you were the, the Tyler Ennis team. You ended up starting that year, you know, 25-0, getting to number one in the country. Not saying that's how this works all the time. Yeah. Uh, but we've, we've heard that taking a trip internationally really helped that team. Uh, what are some of the benefits when you're talking about taking a trip like this in, in August and you've got maybe a younger team? What are some of the benefits, you know, that that can bring once the season does roll around? Well, a number of things. I, I think first and foremost, what it allows you is 10 practices in the summer. Um, so we'll have 10 practice days leading into the trip. Uh, so first and foremost, you're adding 10 days of practice to your schedule. And you're doing it early. So you get a chance to feel out your guys a little bit. You get a, feel, a chance to feel out how they play. You get a chance, really more importantly, to put in your principles on both ends of the court. Um, the trip itself, I think, is very similar to life on the road. Um, you and I have talked about this on the show. I, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of away games. And no offense to we have the best venue in college basketball, but I think the one thing that away games gives you is peace. You're away from everything. So what you're forced to do is be with your teammates. You don't have any distractions. There's no girlfriend. You're not really doing a whole ton of, of, of academic work on the road usually. Um, you don't have three or four friends that are coming over the apartment playing video games. You're on the road. It's you guys. It's you and no one else. So I think first and foremost what it does is it gives you the practice time and it gives you a chance to bond as a group. Um, and then when you get over there, you're going you're gonna to have a chance to play four games. Um, when you have a young group like we're going to have and a group, you know, more so than anything, that the coaching staff needs to figure out how are we going to start? How are we going to, what's the vision for us, what we feel will put us in the best position to start the season? Um, this will give us a jump start on what we think. It will also give us the chance early on to experiment, to play guys, because the games, they don't matter. You know, it's for us to get better. You know, you're, you, you could lose a game to, to a team that might be less talented by experimenting to what you can be. Um, so These I, even matter less so even than, than the exhibitions, it, it seems 100%, like. Because at, at, yeah. at least some people are, are around here at least are, like, seeing those. And, you know, right. Well, these more actually, so than these games in Italy. I, I, I believe these games will be streamed. I, okay. I, I think. I know Providence did this trip last year, and their games were streamed. I actually watched one of them. Um, and I, I think Dukes were last year as well. Well. Right, they were in Canada. <laughs> Duke, Dukes probably on ESPN primetime at 7, <laughs> just like every other game they played this year. So, um I think Billis did the game. I think he did. I think yeah. he did. I think he did <laughs> he the did. game. They played Carlton because I think they did a very similar uh, Canadian trip as we did. I, I'm, I'm almost positive they played Carlton. They might have played Ottawa, uh, McGill University, uh, all, all teams that we played. Um, you know, so it, it's a big advantage. And I think it was a big advantage for that Duke team, you know, to have such a talented incoming freshman group to be able to kind of gel and get on the road together. Um you know, I think, I think the big thing when when you have a group like this is to just figure each other out, and um, it's it, it's it's as important for our staff as it is for our players to kind of you know get a jump start on what we feel like we're going to start with this year. Do you guys get to do sightseeing? Like when you go yeah, somewhere like Italy, yeah. do you get to do all the tourist stuff? Yeah, we'll do all that. Um, you know, we even did it in, in when we were in Canada. Um, you know, we took a you know a few walks. We'll have guides. Um, you know, most of these things are, are done. This is a professional trip. You know, th this is this is a business for for some of these 
travel agencies. This is what they do, um, multiple teams. It wouldn't keep happening with these people if it wasn't done right. You know, Coach Cooley and, and, and uh, uh, Coach Beheim are very close. Uh, I've known Coach Cooley a long time. He's always been great to me. And uh, so Ed, I'm sure him and Coach had talked about this, you know, him going through it. Um, very familiar with the woman that runs this trip. She's done it multiple times with other teams. So uh, we've worked with her before. And, um, you know, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be a lot of fun. We'll be done the right way. We'll have a little bit of, of business and pleasure. We'll get a chance to see some of these places and some of the culture. And, you know, for me, getting a chance to go to Rome is going to be great. Uh, I get a chance to bring my wife, which is, you know, and now my kids are getting older. So, you know, it's going to be neat for me as a family trip, you know, something that you probably wouldn't do on your own if you didn't have an opportunity like this. Yeah, that sounds like a phenomenal trip. And, and like you said before, it gets you ahead on, on the season, right? Like, it's, Which is most important. Exactly. Yeah. It, it gets you ahead going into those exhibition games. You're probably ahead of where you would have been otherwise. And it's, to me, the 10 practice days is, 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 is as crucial as, as going over there. You know, it's, it's so beneficial for us to get a chance to work with our guys up and down put them through what we're about to go you know same thing as summer school you know you you put your freshmen through summer school to get them acclimated to what they're going to potentially see it's just a taste i mean more so than not they're only going through six credits and the number of hours that they're they're allowed to work is cut in half of what you're allowed to do in the fall now you're just trying to give them a taste of of what they're going to see in fall semester where they go from six credits now they're all of a sudden they're taking 15 and they're working 15 (laughs) hours a week so um, we're just trying to get these guys a head start, especially with the young group. You know, it almost sounds similar. You mentioned the uh, the 10 practices is the most important part. It almost sounds similar to uh, the football team and getting to a bowl game, yeah. where, like, the bowl game is this great reward at the end, and, like, yeah, you can get a trip to Orlando or to Miami or, you know, wherever. But the important part is getting those 15 practices between the last regular season game and that bowl Well, game. usually at the 15 practices, I mean, how many times have you seen it over the years in these bowl games where it – these guys get a month, and now all of a sudden that kid that you heard about all year who's going to be really good, the freshman, who's you know a true freshman, who's this star running back, all of a sudden they have a package for him in this game. Um, I think that's where it's really beneficial is now you can start to feature who you have coming back, and that's the situation we're going to be in. We're, we, we can start to feature these guys in the summer and figure out you know, what we could be two months from where we are then. We're talking with Jerry McNamara here on the Jerry McNamara Show. We're going to take another time out. Want to get into the NBA draft process. Tyus Battle, O'Shea Brissett going through that now uh, and, and how this kind of affects the team and, and also just the process, what, what it's all like. Uh, we'll do that next here on ESPN Radio. Live from Tully's, this is the Jerry McNamara Show. Back here on the Jerry McNamara Show, we're at Tully's on Erie Boulevard here until 8 o'clock, about halfway through the show. 315-437-7644 is the telephone number if you'd like to join in. Seth Goldberg along with Coach Jerry McNamara. And and Jerry uh, mentioned this right before we took the break, but I wanted to dive into this NBA draft process with you a little bit, uh, get some insight on this. Ty is now going through it for his second straight year. Uh, O'Shea into the draft process as well. We know there's the combine and uh, they can go on team visits, but uh, can you walk us through this a little bit? How how does it go as as players start to go through this? I don't even know. I mean, there's so (laughs) many moving parts right now. Um, I think... I think the agent thing is the biggest adjustment for everybody. Um, you know, you can sign with an agent, but 
you could still come back to school. That was always the no-no. Oh, he signed with an agent. That's it. There goes his eligibility. Um, that's the biggest adjustment for us. Um, and we actually, you know, all our, our entire staff went when we were down at the Final Four. Uh, we went to the convention that's going to talk. You know, they talk quite a bit about how next year it's going to be m- much different as far as a lot of these agents need to go and, and there's a certain criteria that they need to meet to be NCAA certified coaches. So now when they when they do this and they hire an agent, the agents are all going to be just like the transfer portal. There's going to be the agent portal, and everybody's going to be listed, so you're going to have a whole contact of these agents. Um, so I, are you saying essentially there are going to be some agents where it would be okay for the player to come back and some agents where it wouldn't? Well, I, technically I think the way it's moving is you have to be an NCAA certified okay. agent. And you could still do the same thing. You just have to sign with an NCAA cert, and all these guys will get it. You know, <laughs> every one of them. You know, so they'll just be in a whole portal of, of who's listed as an NCAA certified agent. Uh, these guys will sign with their agencies, and you know, same thing. If if they go through the process um, and decide that you know they want to come back to school, they can come back to school, and and as long as they drop drop out by the the, the drop date line. So, um, I, I think. The most beneficial thing in all of this is the evaluation. Their evaluations are very, very good. And um, the, what these evaluation sheets are, it, it's what they do is they never give you an evaluation unless they've pulled, I believe, at least 60 and usually more percent of NBA teams. It's at least 18. Um, but it's usually quite more than that, that they pull – almost all of these these um, organizations and what they do is they give you a sheet that reads how many of the percentage of people that were polled of the teams that were polled value you as a lottery pick how many value as a first round pick and then how many value from 30 to 40 40 to 50 50 to 60 Um, and then they'll give you a guess of where they feel like you will be drafted and it's a big box at the end, and that's the one everyone goes right to is, is you know where where am I being projected? The projection box, and um, you know so that's the biggest thing is is information. I, I think this is a great thing. Um, it's it's so hard because of the hundreds of kids that are testing the process, um, but I think it's good for them. I think it's good for them to see for themselves where they're valued. I think we're living in a different day and age as far as what guys consider as the time to go. I, you know, you and I grew up in the era of if you weren't going to be a first-round pick, you don't go. I mean, it's, it was simple as that. Some guys, if they weren't going to be a lottery pick, decided they weren't going to go, right? I mean, Yeah, absolutely. And now it's turned into what they're doing now is some guys that feel like if their projection is going to be you know, 30 to 40, it's good and, enough. and their projection box says, you know, their guess is early second-round pick. They'll go. They'll go. And one of the theories of that is because these guys aren't signed to specific contracts, sometimes these guys sign better earlier contracts than the first-round picks. Shorter. And it's the very, very small case, but it's happened. Um, and again, if you're an agent, it's just like recruiting. You could use an example of, well, look at you know so and so. He was drafted 50th, and you know after his first year in the league, and he got 
minutes at the end, they signed him to a two-year deal worth $4.2 million. That's I, think Draymond, I think Draymond Green is the great example of that. He's that, the best. That's been yeah. used recently where he's, he's, well, he's he ended up signing like a two-year deal or something yeah. and then got paid you look more at a guy faster. like Isaiah Thomas, you know, Manu Ginobili. I think Manu Ginobili was somewhere in the you know second round yep. or whatever he was. So, um, you know, the big thing to us is, is, you know, these guys will have a chance to go and, and audition for these teams. Um, and these teams that the greatest thing about the, the projection poll is it constantly is updating. So you get one in the beginning before any of the process has started. This is what we envision right now. This is what the teams are saying about you at the present. Then you go through workouts, and then there's a repull. So now you're constantly getting updated on if you're making progress of what you're being valued at for their draft process. So um, the, the greatest thing of all of, all of this, uh, especially sitting in the, the conference center in Minneapolis and, and listening to, to this presentation for over an hour, was how much detail goes into the information that you're getting back. These NBA teams are doing their due diligence uh, they're giving you all the information. We have a pamphlet of all the percentage of, of when guys were taken where, how many NBA games on average guys that are drafted here end up playing for their career. We have all that information. So I think the NBA has done a great job of allowing this to happen, but more so than anything of giving us the best form of information to relay back to our kids. Now, correct me on this one if I'm wrong, because you certainly would know better than I do. Um, the new among the new rules this year is in theory you could come back if you go undrafted does that does that does that change things on on your end in, in like the very minuscule chance of, of somebody going undrafted and wanting to come back to school yeah I, that that's that's the whole gray area where where you know again I I think even for me like I have to continue to because it's changing every year because just like anything else they're trying to make it better every year and um, that's really the gray area where I'm not 100% on the rule of that. And, um, you know, more so than anything, I think you'll see more guys, you know, like an O'Shea go through the process and make an informed decision. I'm staying and I'm going. You know, it's one or the other. And, and you know, that's the big thing. Um, you know, as, as they move forward, I think this is going to be a little bit more concrete of staying in the draft and then in two years this thing's going to change where they're allowing these high school guys to come out so it's constantly evolving um you know i think the big thing for us too is it, in my mind i've always thought guys should be allowed to go go you know it, it, it's no difference to me i think the nfl does it right because they're protecting the kid it's a physical sport and you want these guys fully mature going into that league i think from from a basketball perspective is if this guy's good enough he's going to have a three-year window where he can change his body and then he's going to be able to sign his second contract if he's good enough um but what it also does is it changes the landscape of how we recruit we won't i won't necessarily have to go after a top 10 kid because i know uh, that kid i know what he's thinking he's going so now I'm, uh, i might go after a top 40 kid who in three years hopefully is as good as the top 10 kid um you know so it's all constantly evolving changing and we just got to keep up with it <laughs> You know, continue to, you know, continue. We're going to continue to recruit the way we've done. We've kind of lived on that, you know, 30 to 100 kid, uh, try to develop them and improve them. And, you know, once in a while you'll sneak in and, and, and get a stud. And if you can surround them with, you know, two or three of those 30, 40 kids, you know, hopefully you have a recipe with junior, senior year. Yeah, you know, we talked about this uh, a couple of weeks back on, on our show, on, on Orange Nation. Even the guys who ended up being one and done, 
coming out of this program in, in recent years. Uh, not guys who would have been threats to, to go to high school. No, no, you know, t- no Tyler Ennis is coming here. Uh, Malachi Richardson is coming to school. Yeah. Uh, the, those are not guys who, you who would make have been the, threats. Well, you anyway. can make the argument about any of those guys that no one was projecting them to be one and dones. No, right. one, was, no one was projecting some of those guys to be two and dones. I think even look in the rare case of Zion. I, there was a lot of questions about Zion Williamson coming into college. A ton. If anything, R.J. Barrett coming to high school was the clear cut. This guy's going to be the number one pick in the draft. He's the number one player in high school. He wasn't the best player on his team. That's how good Zion was in college. So, you know, it works both ways. It, you know, you could easily say about Zion Williamson's particular case, you know, it's easy for me to say he should have been allowed to come right out of high school. Well, he, he would have had that option. He wouldn't have been the number one pick. No. He might have been a lottery pick because he would have tested off the charts. Yeah. He would have. Right. But then does he go into a shooting workout and shoot poorly and they say, well, that's a concern of us, and that drops his stock. You know, so college is good in a lot of ways, even for the best players. Even for the, you know, look at a guy like Jarrett Culver, who, you know, I saw was rated in the 300s. You know, now all of a sudden he's projected as a DeAndre lottery Hunter. pick. DeAndre Hunter. Um, Ty Jerome, for that matter. You know, no one would have envisioned the success, the success that he's had in college. So, you know, college is good in a lot of ways. I think there's guys that are clear-cut guys. You look at a kid like James Wiseman, who's committed to Memphis, and I, I don't know if I'm a lie. He's probably signed as an ally. He's not a recruit of ours. So, you know, I don't know if this is legal. But you look at him. I mean, if, if he were eligible to come out right now, in my mind, he'd be a top-five pick. You know, you look at him, he's got all the, he's got the length, the athleticism. He's, he could shoot it. He's a face-up guy. It's what guys are looking for now. He could play multiple positions. You play him at the four. You could play him at the stretch five. You know, he's a unicorn, I think, self-proclaimed. I think some <laughs> of these guys are, are calling themselves. So uh, there's a lot of pros, I think, especially in the recruiting aspect of things for us, that a lot of these guys you know are clear-cut guys. You're not going to waste a ton of time in that in that. In that in that avenue and then you know for these kids i mean it's 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 such a great i mean you think i've always thought about the greats you know you could easily talk about the guys maybe they were protecting the few guys that didn't make it out of high school but i look at some of the guys that did come out of high school and when you think about some of those guys that did make the jump they became some of the greatest players we've ever seen in this game kobe lebron kevin garnett tracy mcgrady man you name they all worked out all worked out why don't we take a time out here? We'll come back. Uh, Want to talk some Masters with you? Uh, maybe oh, yeah. a little NBA playoffs as well if we've Talking got Talking my language now. <laughs> Let's take Golf a time season. out. We're back next on Orange Nation. Live from Tully's, this is the Jerry McNamara Show. Back here at Tully's on Erie Boulevard, the Jerry McNamara Show. we got got uh, five minutes left in the season here on the Jerry McNamara Show. And then... Uh, well, we'll re-rack it, and we'll come back next uh, probably November or December yep. and, and get this thing going again. Uh, let's finish out, though, with, with some Masters talk, with some golf talk, because I saw you on Sunday. You're, you're tweeting away. You're tweeting about Amen Corner. You're retweeting stuff about Tiger winning. Uh, you seem uh, – you, you take uh, I take you as a pretty big golf fan from that. Love golf. It's the only other sport I've played that – I was I was a good baseball player. I like baseball. Got a little little slow for me in, in high school after playing competitive you know, AAU basketball. When I started, my, my wife's family, they're huge. That's when I started playing, when I started dating my wife, and um, they got me into it. And as soon as I got into it, when I was dribbling the ball with irons right in front of me, I was so angry. I decided right then and there, like, I'm going to be good at this sport or I'm going to lose my mind. 
And I fell in love with this. Really, the only other sport other than hoop that's kind of consumed me, you know, where I'd wake up and I'd put a club in my hand and be like, man, I'll, I'll hit this thing all day. I love golf. And, um, you know, one of the great things about I, I've always loved the Masters, and my wife and I went in 2005. We went um, down to Augusta. We were on 16 when Tiger chipped in. Wow. I was I was there when wow. he made that shot. Have you ever in your life, <laughs> yeah. you know? I, I so, um, and then I had a chance to go back. We we uh, we went back in 2008, I think it was, and and uh, we hadn't done the par three tournament in in 2005. But when we went back in 2008, we did the par three tournament, and then we did the first round. Um, so I, I've always loved Augusta. It's a bucket list of mine to be able to play that course. Um, and I'm a huge Tiger guy because when when I started playing. When I started dating my wife, that's when he was on that epic early 2000s. No one's ever done it before. Right. Uh, the guy was terrific. And um, the thing that changed it for me was you never saw in that sport, you didn't see, you know, basketball, you, you saw intense enthusiasm, emotion. And when my man chased the putt down, I think it was at Valhalla in the 2000, 2000 won 2002 PGA Championship when he ran after his putt and he was pointing at it. It was be- new. Before it went in and he grabbed it. It had just hit the cup and he yanked it out of the cup and he just went whoa! And he was screaming walking off the green. I was in the house like yeah! That's right! <laughs> <laughs> you know so I, it was just like it, it's, you know it brought a certain enthusiasm to a sport that I was falling in love with so you know to see him come and play and then to watch on Easter Sunday, I think it was years ago, when Phil Mickelson hadn't won a major yet, and he he jumped two inches off the ground on 18 when he made his putt to win his first major. Um, there's something about Augusta, may, maybe because I've been there, um, but more so because I'm such a huge golf fan. I understand the, the, the place is outstanding, and television does the place no justice. To, to watch what I watched... Uh, with Tiger because of the comeback story and a guy that I've watched for such a long time and rooted for because I love excellence. I've, I've said that before. It's not a, by mistake that I love Michael Jordan. I love Jerry Rice. Um, those were my two athletes growing up that I idolized is because they personified excellence. They were the best. I've always, I've always admired LeBron because he's the best. Uh, I love watching excellence and what Tiger Woods has done for golf what he continues to do for golf is nothing short of of spectacular. Yeah, uh, it, it's remarkable. I, I'm jealous. I want to go to the Masters so badly. It's an, it's, <laughs> I'm not a huge golf fan. When, you, when you walk through the gates, you come in, and there's stores to the right. They call it a, There's a little village. And you walk through the village, and once you get through it, where you walk out onto the course is in the middle of the first hole. And you're in a valley. So when they tee off on one, you see a big valley. It's a little slight dogleg right. You look up to the left, and the tee box is 150 yards to the left, and the fairway is 100 yards to the right. I mean, the, the, you walk in, and you're just looking. You're right in the middle of the first hole. The place is unbelievable. Amazing. Uh, that's Jerry McNamara. This has been the final edition of the Jerry McNamara Show this season. Uh, Jerry, thanks for uh, for coming out all, all season long. It's been uh, a lot of fun. And, My pleasure. Uh, you know, we'll be doing it again uh, soon, uh, soon next look year, uh, hopefully. Uh, that does it for us this year on the Jerry McNamara Show here on ESPN Radio.